Welcome to another episode of Comedy Wham Presents with me, your host, Valerie, and sometime kitty co-hosts, Miss Purrington and Mookie. ComedyWham.com is your place to go for features about all Austin comedy. In addition to podcasts, Comedy Wham brings you articles, album reviews, our advice column, Rochelle Takes on Comedy, our festivals page listing upcoming festivals across the country and the world, and more. We're best known for our events page for live comedy shows in Austin, Houston, and DFW, where 100% of the entries you see come from comics and producers. If you want your show featured on the counter, click the Submit a Show button from the top of the homepage or events page to complete the short survey. It's free and easy. Tag us on your Instagram stories and we'll share your show promo to our Instagram followers. Want to support these resources we provide? You can donate to Comedy Wham on PayPal, Venmo, or even Patreon. Click the support CW icon on our homepage to see the ways you can help us. Now back to our podcast. Launched in 2016, the podcast project brings you funny people and their stories. As a fan, I like to delve into a comic's background and motivations and will usually take a detour along the way. Consider the interview a way for you to get to know the folks that make the Austin comedy scene one of the best in the country. If you like this podcast, please rate and review us. Today, we are talking to the host of the Juicy Podcast, but it's not spelled the way you think it is. We'll learn about that in a bit. Uh, She's the host and producer of the Yuck It Up Comedy Show, which is hosted at Wanderlust on the last Fridays and the Sons Bar on the first Fridays. She She was just announced that she is recording her OFTV special, LMAOF, this coming week, and hopefully we will get to see that special in early 2024. We'll also be hearing about that. And now I'm excited to bring to you Comedy Wham Presents, our guest Lauren Jameson. Wow. <laughs> Yahtzee. Thank you so much, Valerie. <laughs> oh my gosh. So the profesh. you bring is like, oh my God, I'm awake now. Oh, <laughs> uh, good. Yeah. I only had two shots of coffee. I'm house sitting right now mm-hmm. for this uh, friend of mine who's uh, back in California, and she has a 14 year old chow that I'm taking care of and he's just the sweetest little lion and he won't get up until I get up and even when I get up Uh I have to get him up it's like come on dude we need to get moving we got to start the day but Uh yeah she has a very fancy Breville if I'm saying it right coffee maker so I have not had to hit up any coffee shops because I just have a crappy Keurig at home which is so low level these days remember when it was the best (laughs) best, it was top of the line but now you have to get the full-on coffee shop thing where you do the grinds and flip the thing in and steam the milk yeah this machine's pretty dialed though it's simple to use and it's like okay how am I going to go back to this Keurig when I go back to my studio (laughs) apartment on Sunday because I really love staying at this house and she's like well, you know, there's three extra bedrooms. I'm like, we'll get there one day where we have three extra bedrooms and I get lost in my own residence. Yeah, I know. But thank you so much for having me. Yeah, Lauren, it's like long overdue because you started submitting your shows. So therefore you started Yuck It Up like a couple of years ago. It's now been a year and a half. Yeah. Yeah. July 2022 is when it started. Mm-hmm. And it all sort of evolved. Um, 
through doing an improv style event at Wanderlust uh-huh. downtown. In if you've ever been there, they have a back private room that's separate from the main building yeah. where they house the Wall of Wine, the famous Wall of Wine, and it was called the Alice. And it was basically an immersive, interactive experience for people to come based on Alice in Wonderland uh, to have like a boozy tea party. Uh So there were kids shows during the day where they didn't serve any alcohol. And then I didn't work any of those because that makes no sense. (laughs) I was the queen of hearts and I would start out as the the hair Uh and then I would go do a secret outfit change and everyone was playing double roles and it was pretty much all improv. So it was just freestyle riffing. I was roasting the audience to get them drunk and hazing them and... um, I really was in my element. I was a formidable queen of hearts. Yeah. Like, I think she's my alter ego. I just thought, Helena Bonham Carter, <laughs> I'm coming for you. Put me in a Tim Burton movie. And I met so many great friends through that. And so the owner of Wanderlust, his name's Sammy Lamb. He's so wonderful. He's like the wine cowboy is what he's called. Mm. And they have now three Wanderlusts wow. in, in Austin. Just run by an incredible family. So supportive. If more comedy club owners could be, could take a book, like a note from Sammy's book on how he runs his business and is just so supportive with all the events that are housed at Wanderlust. Um, he just said, Hey, I heard you're a comic. Do you want to run comedy shows here? And I said, yes, uh, love to. And he said, well, why don't you start over at our East side location on shady lane? We have uh, a room there. Uh, and then, you know, should it evolve if the Alice ends up departing, you can use this space. And it was just very open and fluid and like, Let's just try things and see yeah. what works. And he's just always checking in. And anything I, you know, um, raise to him, you know, I say, can we try this? Can we try it? He's just down. Huh. Like, most recently, um, I said, I think it would be great if we got a little stage in here, just a little platform in the room. Not, you know, we need to be a little bit elevated sure. from the audience yeah. than on ground level. And so he helped me shop around. And all of a sudden, we're driving out to Buda to pick up this Craigslist free stage that used to be like a stripper stage. Oh, my gosh. So there's actually a hole in it where the pole used to go. And I'm like, can we just stick the mic stand in there so it doesn't move all around? Oh, yeah. But I always wonder, like, don't trip in the stripper pole hole. Uh, you know, feel free to use it in your set. But, um, yeah, he just like. We're driving out there, picking up this heavy stage. And yeah, I, I really, really just love working wow, with him and his wow. family. And uh, yeah, we're taking a little break right now um, for the holiday months. Okay. Being that last Friday's is like it's right after oh, Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah. And then it's also going to fall on like New Year's Eve weekend. Yeah. So um, I'd like to think that my show is so good that people would come after their holidays to come spend it, you yeah. know, with Yuck It Up. And then same with the first Friday show. It's just like the owners were kind of, let's take a beat and like revamp in mm. January. It's okay. Like, I don't even want to think about January yet. Yeah, I Let's know. Let's just, yeah, I'm going to stay in the day because that's where... I don't get as crazy. Uh-huh. Um, I've tried to train myself to do that and and just see, yeah, what what um, what the evolution of yuck it up is going to be. But pretty much slated to to start back up in in January for okay. first Fridays in January right. and last Fridays. So, so I guess the break is good then because you have time for for this special. Although that is co- like the recording is literally on Monday, two it's days literally from now. on Monday. Yeah. I have had a week to prepare. I was talking to That's how long you found? Yes. Oh, wow. I talked to them back in February when they did the taping of the first round Mm -hmm. here with comics like Alison Voidovich, who's Mm -hmm. like a staple in the community, and Ashley Barnhill. I'm trying to remember who else was on it. Mike was on there. Mike, yeah. Um, But I just hit up Alison. She said, are you serious? They, They only booked you like a week out? And I said, yeah, yeah. 
and it feels like the clock is just ticking so quickly. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it's being uh, produced a little bit differently this time. They're condensing it into one night instead okay. of two show nights like they did the last time where they broke it up in like four comics each night on a Monday and a Tuesday. So now they're doing eight comics okay. on one night. Okay. So it's going to be a ride. I'm so excited. Yeah. Uh, I think this is a really cool new section of the platform that I know nothing about other than the obvious, yeah. uh, that they're developing, yeah. uh, just expanding it in different ways. And like already I was just watching their Instagram stories today and there was some cooking stuff on there. There was like some gal who was, I mean, it's just beautifully shot content mm. that was really gripping and engaging. And, you know, I, I get very overwhelmed when it comes to content creation. Cause I'm, I'm like an elder millennial, uh, I think that's what Eliza <laughs> Schlesinger uh, calls it. Uh-huh. And uh, I I just, uh, I feel like, it's like walking into Forever 21. I'm like, where do I start? Yeah. You know, yeah. what do I hone in on? How do I keep focused? There's so much to consume. And like we were just saying with editing even a, a video, yeah. a, a visual yeah. podcast, I went to school for broadcast journalism. I would sit in oh. an editing room for hours using Final Cut Pro and... Um, it would be so much resistance. But then when I finally sit down and start doing it, I'm like, okay, this is fun. I'm hooked and mm. I want to make it just so perfect. Yeah. And I think that that's usually it. When I finally actually sit down and make a reel or do something, I just, I don't give myself enough credit. Mm. I, I, yeah, I'm so hard on myself. I'm like, you're making this so much harder than it is. I know you don't love it. It's not your favorite thing, but when you actually do it, you usually make some pretty cool shit. Yeah. So, uh, i Needless to say, I'd rather have somebody do it for me. I just want it outsourced. Right. Yeah. So I've been um, I've been trying to find somebody to help me with my social media because it's just not where I find the most joy. I want to be out there engaging, eyes up, yeah. performing, yeah. producing, writing, not hunched over my phone, you know, getting carpal tunnel, trying yeah. to use yeah. all the editing tools in TikTok. So we'll see. We're going to keep earning some cheddar so we can have an employee. <laughs> yeah. To bring to the That's team the where I can release control in that area. Like, here's my passcode. Here's my logins. Let me know if there's an emergency and I'll chime in. But you have full creative control yeah. and I trust you, you know? Well, so. that's the thing is you can go out and hire anybody, but you got to trust somebody. Not yes. That, I don't know. When, you, when you're talking about just that, you know, starting to get more more eyes on you, which you will after this special comes out, then you know, then you, you're more interested in trusting the person that you're giving the keys to your social media to. Yes. Yeah. I just like, I see some of these comedians. I was just talking to this comic who was visiting from New York, Emma, Emma Willman. She was uh, at uh, the Creek recently and she just started doing a podcast on Betches, uh, that site that's kind of like basically Barstool Sports, but it's, it's, it's as big and it's in New York and they're just legendary content creators. And uh, I said, you know, it's just like you got to be so on it. Another comic that I admire is Ryan Long. Like, I get my news from Ryan Long because he is putting out some sort of sketch, silly little thing, man on the street, right when the headline breaks. You know, he is just like, I know immediately I'll see a headline and I'll go right to his page and he's already made like a reel. And I I just, how does he see up all hours of the night? Does he have a team? Who does he have little elves in the workshop (laughs) that are saying, okay, we know this is actually going to happen because we have a crystal ball before this headline even breaks about people stranded at Burning Man. So you need to get out there. We're going to put some hippie clothes on you and some dirt and we're going to pretend it's just like, he's so on it. And I want to know 
his secrets. And I actually want to tell him the next time I see him, you should teach a class. I think it would be so valuable for comedians because we have to be content creators now. We can't just go and perform stand-up. It's like you have to also cut clips and do all these things and uh, make sketches and, and just be constantly like it's a slot machine. Always, you know, yeah. spinning the wheel. And um, I, I, it would just be valuable if there was a comic out there that maybe taught some sort of a seminar on this is how you do it and mm-hmm. break it down. So, yeah, shout out to Ryan Long. Like, maybe you could make a few bucks off of us. Don't charge too much yeah. on how the <laughs> hell we audience. do this animal <laughs> called social media to promote ourselves. Uh, I think that's like another thing is that was probably one of the hardest transitions for me as an entertainer is like promoting myself. It just feels a little weird mm-hmm. at first. Like, oh my God, I'm like talking about myself so much. <laughs> it's just me, me, me all uh-huh. over. And then it's just an adjustment and I guess you get used to it. But sometimes it's just a little like, why am I having to put myself out there so much? Yeah. And and that was kind of challenging for me. So um, yeah, it's all work in progress. Yeah, and I'm always learning, <laughs> but having fun along the way. Good. Yeah, Good. that's for sure. <laughs> All right, Lauren. Yes. I have an icebreaker question, believe it or not. Melt me. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> All right. One word to describe your past. Oh, my past. Um, mayhem. Mayhem. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Kaleidoscopic, <laughs> filled with all the colors blending in with each other. <laughs> yeah, I would say... Um, capricious maybe oh gosh you're bringing out all the power words uh i love words i'm a a cunning linguist valerie and uh was never good at math so only the numbers i know on my paychecks when i get them yeah uh but yes i love words um which obviously that coincides i think with comedy yeah uh it's a love language yes i would say my past I mean, it got me to where I am here sure, today, yeah, so I'm yeah. grateful for it. I try not to stare at it too long in the rear view. It's there. Um, I've worked you, through a lot of it. You grew up in Houston. Yes, Houston. <laughs> <laughs> don't get me started with that word. I can do way too much with it, and then I don't stop, and then I can't get out of it. Yes, I'm from Houston. And you strike me as grade A certified extrovert. Very much so. Okay. All right. (laughs) So I imagine that as a child and in school, you were like life of the party type. Did you, did you perform? Were you a ham back then? Oh yeah. Oh, totally. Yes. I was always dressing up, always going into characters, copying movie lines, Mm -hmm. doing that with my brothers. It's almost like it was our universal language is we would just talk to each other in movie quotes and my father would try to chime in with us with some full metal jacket stuff every now and again, which we soon adopted and loved. Uh-huh. Um, believe it or not, like we grew up, like I went and saw Cosby live as a kid oh, multiple wow. times. Yeah. In Houston. And then again, when we moved to San Diego when I was a freshman in college, because he was a family clean comedian. It's like, what other clean comedians uh, are out there? Like, what is Ellen really hiding? You know, uh, yeah. the clean comics have this exterior yeah. and this facade, but then it's like they're the darkest they're, demons yeah. ever. But we loved him. Oh, my God, the comedy he did about, you know, and then the, what was it? Uh, he would get the kids on, kind of like kids say the darndest things. Mm-hmm. And it's just like pure joy. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I did a lot of acting, theater stuff. Okay. Um, I was a part of a theater uh, in Houston called Hits. 
Unicorn Theater, mm-hmm. where I played uh, Pinocchio. I even had the haircut to match. Oh One gosh. day, I just said I want a boy haircut in second grade, and it got me that role. Of and course. then I, I went up and auditioned, and I sang There's No Business Like Show Business, and I nailed it. And then I did like Annie Get Your Gun. I was Annie Oakley, Starlight Express. I mean, it went from being like a piece of seaweed in Moby Dick to like singing roles. And uh, I just continued to do plays throughout my life and then was involved with theater in high school a little bit. I tried to do sports, but like my parents never came to any of those outings. And Mm. I just realized, well, kind of like comedy, like I don't even really want my family to show up to my shows. I like being with strangers, Uh you know? That's what we want, the validation of strangers, because we know we're not going to get it from our parents. (laughs) That's why we do it. Uh, But yes, I love love, Stages Home. I would love to actually get back into, like I just got a casting thing for Legally Blonde came through, and I'm like, I am auditioning for that. Yeah. So, um, you know, Broadway one day, if ever, has always been you know, on, on the, at the tip of the cerebellum, like maybe, maybe we'll get there someday. So Uh, is your life today a balance of stand up as well as acting? It's becoming that. Okay. Again, I truly, uh, I, I keep kind of calling it into my life Mm -hmm. and it's, it's kind of just happened again in a spurt. Uh, like tomorrow I'm shooting at Wanderlust as it's going to be the location for this short film that, um, is, was directed and written by Caleb Reimer. I hope I'm saying his last name right. I bumped into him at a show at Roscoe's recently, and then he just hit me up the other day, and I was literally thinking, I want to do some more acting. And he said, do you do any acting? And I said, whoa. I'm going to go buy a lottery ticket today. This is so crazy. And he said, well, I just think you'd be great uh, for a part in this short film we're doing that's kind of based on Andy Kaufman's life. Wow. uh, Where he handcuffs himself to a student and uh, I guess the role was writ- uh, written for Casey Rocket, but he's a very busy guy, as we yes, know. We see yes. him very busy on stage. Yeah. Uh, you can't even catch a camera shot of him no, still. No, you can't. I've tried to. Yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's like a hummingbird, yeah. you know? He's <laughs> exactly. just looking for the feeder, and it's the microphone, but where is he going to put it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, so he's so fantastic. There's so much talent in this town. And so, uh, but there's some other comics. I was doing Ty Wynn's show last night, Poke the Bear, which is so fun. So he's in it. Mimi Myers in it, uh, Aaron Cheatham's in it, and it's just so fun to work with a blend of students, but also comics, and I really, really love this script. It's really well written, and when we did the table read at ACC Highland a couple weeks ago, I mean, we were just all in stitches. So we all, uh, they started shooting yesterday, today, and then my, um, my scenes are shot tomorrow. So yeah, I've got some lines to, uh, to perfect, uh, but a lot of it, I think it's just, I'm going to riff and be improv. Uh Um, and it's, yeah, it's gonna be fun when you see it all come together because I really do believe in it. And then I just got cast in something else that I'm going to shoot in my hometown next month. Wow. It's actually a feature film. Wow. So yeah, I'm, I'm really pumped about that. Uh, and I, I think I, it's going to be a comedic role. There's another comedian Mm. attached to the project and, uh, I'm just, yeah, I'm on the ride for it because cool. I, I, it's funny when you can have a thought and you just pray it's in alignment yeah, and that it actually comes to fruition in some sort of real way. Yeah. So I try not to get, you know, cautiously optimistic. Always. Have, yeah, yeah. had situations uh, fall There's through the cracks. plenty of disappointments. Oh, gosh. Get used to life. it. 
Get used to it. Yes. Build that resilience. And um, I think that really helps me, you know, prepare me for other things in life is, is just rejection. Yeah. Uh, rejection is protection, somebody told me. <laughs> That no, even though you're getting dissed or turned down, it's because you don't want to be there. Oh, you're being protected okay. against something, even though you want sure. it so bad. Uh, that yeah, don't don't get too attached to anything. Um, things can crash and burn, even in the last minute. Yeah, and there will be something else. Right, something else will come along. So yeah. it just try to keep that belief and uh, yeah, stay positive, which is not always easy for me. Mm. Uh, yeah, cause I, I, I'm, I'm a part of the dark arts world for sure. Interesting. You don't come off that way. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen my standup yeah. lately? Oh, yeah. maybe not lately. Well, but... in the last couple of years, I would say it's evolved more in Austin into the dark arts world Interesting. where I, I would say my material a lot of the time. I mean, I, I'm just testing it out, you know, toe in the water and seeing where the line is like a lot of comics do. And I can see the evolution of myself from when I first started huh. to now. It's like my style, I feel like. And who knows what it'll be in another five years. Yeah. You know? Uh, Rory Scovel is one of my favorite comedians. And he's been at it for over 20. And he's doing some acting now. And I think he has, yeah, he shared with me once, um, like, oh my God. I mean, he's like, I finally feel like I'm I'm in it, in huh. my own, at 20, at 20 years. Wow. I'm like, well, I hope it doesn't take me that long, but... <laughs> Yeah, I guess it's just always evolving, and you don't know which sure. direction it's going to take based off your life experiences, and uh, you know where we are as a collective world. Like that pandemic definitely affected us all, and I think it, with artists in a way where we, I was in California uh, at the time, so it was like an incubation period where it's like, is this gone forever? Hmm. You know, I just sacrificed everything in my life to do this and now it's gone what am I going to do yeah. you know I got to figure out how I can do it again and that's how I ended up back in Texas <laughs> like uh, a lot of people sure yeah I wanted my freedom back <laughs> um, so yeah never thought I would come back but uh never say never what were you, uh, you moved to California, the San Diego area yes uh-huh yeah and you did that your first year of college Actually, or, it was my first year in high school. Oh, in high school. Oh, that's yes, disruptive. It was. I was a freshman. I was leaving my first love, real love Aww. in Houston. Um, all my friends that I'd grown up with my whole life, my whole family is in Texas. Mm -hmm. uh, I come from a big family. Um, the Jewish side is in Florida, naturally. <laughs> of course. And yes, um, my, my mom is from a huge family, so everyone was in Houston for the most part. So it was, it was a huge shift. My brothers, I have two younger than me. One was, well, in junior high, but when we moved to California, he was pissed off because sixth grade is actually elementary school in <sighs> San Diego. I don't know if that's still the case, but he had already, we moved midway through the year, which was also hard. I was Ooh. like, why didn't you start us at the beginning of the school year? Yeah. Now these kids have already had a semester together and they've already come in from, you know, respective junior highs mm -hmm. and, and whatever. And so moving right after the holidays and starting a new semester, uh, halfway through the school year was tough, but my youngest brother, um, was, yeah, he was in sixth grade. So he'd had a little taste of junior high, but then he was thrown back in with elementary. So he was confused. And then my middle brother was in a junior high that was just seventh and eighth grade. So he had a little bit, when you're thrown into a very big high school, which I came from in Houston, mm -hmm. but Sandy, it was like 
the culture shock of my life. It was kids smoking grass in the parking lot, ditching school, no dress code, like get away with murder, latchkey kid kind of thing. I was the only one with the curfew and that had any laws, which I, you know, absolutely broke <laughs> and, and adopted the culture. Um, you know, kids are coming in from morning period is surf PE where they can go and surf in the morning. And that counts as a class before they actually go into like a biology class uh-huh. or something. If they even make it, it felt like dazed and confused, but in California, just how is this grooming me for real life? And it was known as like a preparatory college preparatory school. Wow. And it's, I graduated and I did, you know, I had a good GPA, but it's like the stuff that I pulled at that time in my life, I wouldn't have gotten away with if I had stayed in Houston. Mm, No way. It was way more conservative. And, uh, yeah, you just, it's like the SoCal way and, and, uh, the wild West, honestly, where just kids are running around lawless and I became one of those kids. And, uh, and then it's like, you take these experiences and habits into college and you think you can pull the same shit mm. there and then from college then you go into the real world and you're like okay this stuff's not working anymore <laughs> we we got to come up with another plan because yeah. this can't this can't go this road can't go on forever so yeah I, I I got a taste of Southern California at a young age and, and I love it I'm going back next week nice um so I'm really excited about that and I have you know my oldest and dearest friends from high school that are still you know they're like my family yeah so it's gonna be fun so when you finished high school did you stay you stayed in California you were you were okay with the lawlessness and you kind of oh, yeah. adopted it for your own I did I lo- I I was so resistant at first I hated it because well, I just wanted to be yeah. a rebellious teen and you know I was your parents did this to you. Yes, this was done to me. You know, my yeah. father is from Florida. My dad's from Florida, so I think he always wanted to be back by the ocean again. Mm. And Houston at that time, like, I made a documentary about it. There was a lot, a lot of crime going on in Houston where I wasn't even uh, safe to, like, my dad wouldn't let us just in the driveway, like ride our bikes around the driveway Mm. without, you know, being chaperoned or even go a couple of blocks, you know, to walk to the school bus, uh, by ourselves. Like it was just, uh, all of a sudden that some, some runner in Memorial park was kidnapped and like, and then it was like a just bad, you know, chain of events started happening in Houston where he said, you know, we're going to get out of here. And he Mm. didn't want to go back to Florida. So San Diego, it was actually supposed to be Santa Barbara, but then they realized that's more of like a retirement area, mm. not a place to raise three kids. And San Diego became it. But um, after I graduated from high school there, I ended up going back to Texas. Uh. I ended up in Dallas. Ooh, and okay. the party only took flight. I was just <laughs> teeing off. So I said, doesn't matter where I land, if it's Timbuktu, Kentucky, or if it's a big city like Dallas, like I'm going to like all bets are off. I am going to rebel and party. And like, if I have to go to college, like I'm just gonna, yeah, do whatever I want for four years and then see what happens. Like four years seems like a, a, like a chunk of time, but it does go by fast, especially if you're partying 24 seven. So somehow I got a degree. Oh my God. (laughs) I don't know how. (laughs) Somehow I managed one. And can I say that little piece of paper really hasn't gotten me that far in life. Um, I, I'm grateful well, I'm to sure have you it. you learned the things that you were supposed to learn if you were spending Nothing. the entire time partying. Well, I, I, I did find that I loved like my music classes. I, um, I was a broadcast major, so I thought I was going to be a reporter. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I, I thought I was gonna be the next Veronica Corningstone. 
seeing that was in San Diego and, and I was following suit with a friend who I went to high school with that also went to my college and she went and got like an anchor job uh, in Casper, Wyoming. And I said, I don't want to move okay. there. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds cold and miserable yeah. and, you know, not a friendly ghost. Uh, and, and she was like, yeah, but the rent's like 400 bucks. And even though you're only making 20 grand a year. So I don't know. I then got into sales. <laughs> I was like, I don't think I want to be a one, you know, man band shooting my stand, like my stand up live reporting, jumping in the van, editing it and trying to get it on the six o'clock news all by myself. Cause you don't get like a team with a cameraman mm. when you first start out. Uh, but yeah, I knew I would do something in the realm of acting or public speaking. Eventually it was just like fighting a lot of fear and societal norms to cross that bridge and finally see what's on the other side. Yeah. I'm so glad I did it. Oh my God. No <laughs> so what back. was your, when did, when did, I'm going to make a, an assumption just based on everything you've shared so far that your first time to get back on a stage was as a, either, either as an actor or in a theater production or a musical production. Correct. Yes. Uh, I was living in Los Angeles after college. I stayed in Dallas for several years and then my best friend that I met in college, who was from LA, she just up and said one day, I'm going to go back. And I mm. said, no, you can't. Like, And then I think it's just run its course in Dallas. I kind of felt like I, while it's such a big city, that everywhere I went, I was just seeing people that I went to college with. Mm. And I always knew de- deep in like the pits of my soul that I wanted to be in acting and get back out there in some way. And, and I'm sure there was probably some of it in Dallas, but it didn't seem, I said, I've got to go back to, L- I've got to go where it's at, you yeah. know? So I moved to Los Angeles. I was in a corporate job at the time because when they spit you out of college, you just, it was a bad time. The, the job market was low. We were going through the last uh, crisis of swine flu and the housing market crash. Yeah. So okay. there was not a lot happening. You know, here you have this degree, but it's getting you nowhere. Uh, Cause you have no experience. It's like, but I need someone to take a chance on <laughs> right. me so I can get the experience just once. And, um, I don't know how internships are done these days, but I did a lot at news stations back in San Diego mm. and I didn't get paid a dime. I had to get up at the butt crack of dawn and be there for the morning news. And, um, and then I did the evening news too. And it was just like, is this, is this what I'm going to do? Is this going to be my life? And no, deep down inside, I always knew like, no, I, I want to act. I want this. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I'm ever going to be happy unless I actually finally go for that. So I started running around, like making up excuses in LA. Like I have a doctor's appointment. They're like, how many times are you going to go to the gynecologist this month? And they were just <laughs> really going on auditions. So I would drive from like where my office was in Howard Hughes Promenade, which is close to Culver City, like all uh-huh. the way up to Hollywood, which can take a day and a half yeah. and try to get back. And I was like, yeah, my doctor's all in Hollywood. It's the only one my insurance would take or something. <laughs> And I would just start running. It was may. It was mayhem, uh-huh. you know. Um, and I was partying a lot mm. because I was not happy. Uh, so those habits that started in, I guess, late high school, if not early high school, because uh, I was so upset, you know, at my parents to have moved me there. And so I just started smoking pot and doing whatever, running around with with the fast kids. and uh, getting in trouble. And then, yeah, the same thing continued in college. and then, that also just became exponential out of college when yeah. I when I joined the workforce. And it's like, this can't go on forever. And so, yeah, I ended up finally one day um, taking the plunge with stand-up. Hmm. Yeah, I finally just spit the bullet. I, I had people tell me, why don't you try it? 
multiple times, you you might be good at it. Yeah. And I said, no, I want to do movies. I want to do this. And right. even in acting school I went to in LA, it was like typecasting day on, you're amazing for Disney. You're going to be great for the CW, like Gossip Girl stuff. And then they got to me and they're like, you should do stand up. I'm mm. like, what? That's not what I wanted to hear. <laughs> yeah, right. No. Like, I want to be the next Cape Blanchett. This uh-huh. is not okay. And then it's like the seed gets planted, and then you hear somebody else say it to you, okay, fine, I'll try it. I'll do it. Uh-huh. And so it was when I moved back to San Diego that I actually uh, finally did it. Um, and I've never looked back. It's been so great. How did you approach that first time, given that you've you've been mission-focused on acting, so it's, you know, for an actor, the writing, the material is written for you versus stand-up. That's, that's all on you. So how did you approach that first time? Well, I think that being in just in a live setting in the moment with my friends, um, I mean, I always thought, because I was a party girl, uh, the last one standing always, yeah, life of the party. I was, yeah, yeah. um, the fun one. And, and, and then finally quitting all of that and, and wondering, can I still keep this up? Um, and, and I just think that stand up really worked that muscle. Uh, it's just trusting yourself. Like mm-hmm. I've always loved to write, you know, that's my background and I love to perform. So it's just like synergizing them. And I love to riff. I love to just be in the moment and just running with it and, I, I don't know. Uh, I think I think I was just kind of uh, engineered for it, honestly. Um, it was a night, to be really honest. I was really, really miserable. I was a real estate agent at the time in San Diego, hating what I was doing. Mm. Talk about like working for free. So that perfectly groomed me for stand-up comedy because I was already... <laughs> yeah. I said, if I'm going to work for free, I better do something that I freaking love. Yeah. Uh, and so it was this club at the time called the Comedy Palace in San Diego. Mm. It's now called Mike Drop. And that's my home club. And I get to, yeah, visit them soon. So I'm very excited. It's, it's been completely remodeled like a cap city. And it's just beautiful. They have the original chairs, but it's just decked. It's so cool. It's Alice in Wonderland themed. Ah, oh so my this gosh. has like been a theme oh, in my life yeah. for a while. And uh, it's beautifully done. And they just opened another one in Chandler, Arizona. And I believe the people behind it are from the Tempe Improv. Okay. So they've been in the biz a while. They're class acts. They're just amazing. Like one of the best clubs I've ever been to. And my history is there. So I was really high one night alone, party of one after the party was over. And I, I think it's the best wasted decision I've ever made. We don't usually make great ones. And I, um, I bought this comedy workshop at the comedy palace. It was Mm. like, I just Googled comedy classes in San Diego and up popped this six week course. Um, it was like $200. I'm like, I can do that. And you went every Saturday for six weeks. And on the final one, it was a showcase at the club. And so it was like two hours per Saturday. And then, uh, yeah, you just, you just went up there and you, you wrote about your why and who am I and what am I? And then you just, I was coached by some long-term comics in the business who are still my friends today. And uh, yeah, I, I went up and like, you got priority at the club if you were in the workshop mm-hmm. to get up at Mike's. Okay. So like there was the Mike list for veteran comics and then there was a section for student comics. So student comics did get priority to uh-huh. get thrown in um, towards the top of the list Yeah. during the time you were in the workshop. But once you were out of the workshop, it's like, okay, you, you're going to wait. <laughs> you're yeah. going to wait. And so then I ended up running a mic there 
on Tuesday night. So it just usually be like me and 30 dudes and them hovering over my shoulder. Like, when am I up? When am I up? When am I up? I'm like, you've got to like figure out another way to do this. Enter slotted. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I just became addicted to it and the challenge of it. And the first show, like real show that I had and getting those laughs of like things that I wrote. I'm like, Mm -hmm. Oh my God. Like, I just want to, whatever I need to do to figure out how to do this all the time. Wow. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it just became uh, a good addiction, uh-huh. I think, because <laughs> I've had some bad ones. <laughs> had some really bad ones, Valerie. Yeah. Coffee is Coffee. a good one, because I used to do the other Colombian a lot. <laughs> oh, Marching no. powder. Oh, wow. So... Now the wrong cup of coffee can send me off into another orbit, but uh, yeah, it's just coffee now and and jokes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we, we've we've put the we've put the naughty stuff away. Uh, yeah, been a while now, so yeah. um, well, life good. has changed. Congratulations! Thank you. Yeah, you've had Dylan on recently. Mm-hmm. I love him. Mm-hmm. He's a he's a he's a sober guy, Colton. Yeah. Like, there's a community here yeah. that you find out more and more. There, yeah, like I have comedians all over the country that I can call and hit up when I'm yeah. in different cities who, who are sober. Yeah. So it's yeah. like, it's so fun uh, to know there's other artists out there like that and we connect and um, yeah, like I, I always thought I needed this in my life to keep going and I didn't realize how much it was destroying it. Yeah. So that's yeah. why I said mayhem. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that that was the first word that came to mind. So thank you for that question. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. You said it was straightforward, but no, you didn't throw <laughs> me some curveballs. Let's go. Next up. Uh, okay. So uh, I'm. How long did you spend as a as a stand up in California? So I started in 2018. My birthday. Hmm. I bought that workshop for my birthday. And uh, so, yeah, what is that? What are we, 2023 now? So it's been yeah. all over five years. Uh, I mean, I was still very active during the pandemic, going to secret mics and shows yeah. underneath the freeway at the Dave & Buster's in the parking lot. We would then get broken up there, and then we'd have to move to LA Fitness. Then we went to the beach. Uh, there were comics that were, yeah, like a crew of us that were continuing to try to keep the scene alive. Mm-hmm. Um, and then ultimately, like, my lease was up. I had just moved to downtown San Diego because I was living in North County. And I was running a show, I didn't call it Yuck It Up, um, but I was running a show at a VFW, an American Legion in uh-huh. North County, which I'll be at next Wednesday. That oh. show is going strong <laughs> still by my wonderful friend and, and a mentor to me. His name's Andrew Norelli. He's been in the business forever. And he's done anything from like Letterman to, he, he performs for like Microsoft and Google. It does wow, a lot of corporate cool. stuff. Yeah, he's done it all. And and when I, he found out I was moving to Texas, he said, oh, what are you going to do with your a Legion show with a post 416. And I said, well, the median age in there is like 65 for the vets. So one show we could kill them all. I don't think North County, San Diego is going to be too appreciative. Uh, I don't know when it's coming back, but I'm not waiting around to find out. I'm going to go back to Texas where things are open and we can perform inside without masks and not have to social distance and not be at shows at breweries outside six feet apart with masks on. I don't even know if anyone's laughing or if any of this is landing. Mm -hmm. Um, Talk about resilience or doing Zoom comedy. Oh, heaven forbid. (laughs) Sit down comedy. So yeah, that um, 
that was happening. Uh, I was running that show in San Diego and, uh, performing at the palace regularly. So I think, yeah, that, that just like, I just love, I was just love, I was just so hooked. Yeah. Yeah. That I, I'd never, I just like, wherever I need to go, I'm going to keep doing it. And I ended up back here. And, and why Austin versus Houston? Well, I guess, you know, the buzz Hmm. had really been penetrating around, uh, just circulating about Austin. Clearly, you know, I, I don't want to say I'm a disciple of Joe Rogan, like he's a messiah of comedy, but this was being talked about for a while. And it was a couple of friends of mine who were in the Austin scene, Andrew Tarr. He came from San Diego. Uh, Brian McDuffie, another one, he came and moved back here. Uh, I know I'm probably forgetting a couple of others, but I just kind of wa- – oh, Dylan Sullivan. And, uh, yeah, he had come here, Jeffrey Burner. So I was just kind of watching some of my peers from California come to Austin and yeah. sort of following along with them and, you know, how's it going out there? And uh I was actually living in Mexico at the time because it was safer uh, than downtown San Diego because, yeah, I, I moved to downtown and left North County to be near Austin Com- or uh, American Comedy Co. They were opening a laugh factory. The comedy store was closer in La Jolla, and then lockdown happened as soon as I moved mm. downtown where I could have just popped out my door uh, and walked to all of these clubs yeah. and hit them all in one night. And then I'm like, uh, I just signed a nine-month lease. I'm glad I didn't sign a year. And then when it was up, it was fall of 2020, and they're like, do you want to renew? And I said, are we still in lockdown? And I said, no, I'm getting out of here. <laughs> and so I just drove to Mexico, and I lived down there, and we did stand-up in Mexico. Oh, my gosh. So that was fun, um, a little odyssey. And then I came back to San Diego again to see, hey, are we open? Nope. And then, yeah, finally, I, I think I just talked to Dylan or somebody else, who another person that had just moved to Austin, and I said, you know what? Let's go back to my roots. Mm. I never thought I'd move back to Texas, but I got in the car and packed up what I could in my car and threw the rest in storage. I said, let's just go for the summer. So that was early 2021. Okay. And uh, yeah, we can always come back. Maybe California will open up again. Who knows? Or maybe we'll like it. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm still here. Like, what is this? Almost three two, plus? Yeah. Almost, wait. Two and a half 31. years later, I think. Yeah. Two, two yeah. And a half. yeah. Yeah. So um something stuck. Yeah. Uh it's nice to be there's family, you know, in Dallas, Houston. So when I do go to those cities, it's like a twofer. I can meet up with a cousin or uh-huh. see my brother, you know, something. Um, but I'm really there for, to do stand up. Make no mistake <laughs> about it. Like seeing family is secondary. <laughs> Sure, you can come to their show. But no, Houston is a different kind of scene. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have it on wham. You follow it too, which is yeah. so cool. I love what you do. Like oh, to have you. this kind of a partner and pillar in the community to help us promote is, it's so hard to promote shows yeah. and things are very, very saturated yes. right now. Um, it's, it's evolved in a way that it's been crazy and so quickly um, this year alone yeah. since when I got here in 2021 and it was just the creek in the cave. Mm-hmm. It was the creek. Cap City was still under reno. Um, the valve is around, but like for the most part, it was just, you know, um, what's it call it? Uh, alt shows, right? A lot of it, not a huge club scene. And then all of a sudden it just spurts into like <laughs> 10 clubs yeah. overnight, which all is in this square, small, square in this footage. tiny little, yeah, four block stretch, <laughs> yeah. which like when New Yorkers come here, like I was talking to this comic who's in town right now, Jackie Cashian, she's mm-hmm. at the Creek this weekend with uh, Lori Kilmartin. 
she's like, I think there's just too many choices, <laughs> you know? Um, she said, wait, you're at another club like down the street tonight? I said, yeah, it's called Roscoe's. It's like on the other side of the freeway next to the Planned Parenthood <laughs> that I put out of business. Um, but yeah, it's just like boom, boom, boom. And she said, you know, she's out in LA. The New Yorkers are like, you know, New York is New York, but the the frequency of clubs in a small area, yeah, it is. It they're, is they're blown away yeah. by it when yeah. they come here. And um, yeah, so Houston, being one of the biggest cities in the country, I've yet to perform at the Improv in my hometown any day now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, there's the Riot, which is so wonderful, and yeah. then Secret Group. So really, there's three clubs in the third biggest city in the country in different sprawled out areas of Houston. So they're not really in direct competition with each other. Yeah. Every time I've gone down for any shows, there's always folks there. So it's just do the math, you know, supply and demand, like the amount of people there are in Houston is what times three that there are in Austin. And then there's less clubs. So of course your rooms are going to be full. Yeah. There's not a lot of, you have to think through the consumer's eyes, right? Like when you go out and see comedy, how often do you go see a show? Oh, if I can pull off once a week, I'm lucky. Yeah, that's yeah. a lot. Well, doing anything like once a week is a lot, I think. <laughs> sure. I want to do that's more. Consistent. Yeah. Um, but as a consumer who's going out once a week for mm-hmm. comedy, where do you think they're going to go nowadays? They want to see if Post Malone is going to show up oh at the mothership God. and yeah. they can say on their Instagram, I sold Jelly Roll last night at yeah. at the mothership. Not even the comedian they saw, like the country music star, <laughs> yeah. you know, or I saw the rapper. At, and I was like, well, Dave Chappelle was there too, did you know? Like <laughs> that kind of thing. Or it's like I saw Taylor Swift's Boyfriend of the Week at Mothership and that's why I went there. No, the comedy is amazing, but it's just uh, it's just, it's high volume. Yeah. And, uh, and navigating that as an independent showrunner when you're, both of your shows are downtown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and one of them's free. <laughs> it's free. Uh, uh, first Fridays, free first Fridays. Yeah. Um, it's even hard to get people in the door with that. Cause that one's over by the Capitol on the more quiet end of downtown. Mm-hmm. So when you're out barking in that area, it's like, it's a dead zone. Yeah. Uh, uh so yeah, it's always just like coming up with new and creative ways, but like the fact that you have this platform that helps us like do 512, you know, it's just like trying any and all resource accessible, mm-hmm. um, to see if it makes a, a, a change, a little spike, yeah. you know, and something. Cause, cause yeah, that's our livelihood is, is selling tickets yeah. and uh, show running is definitely a different animal than just performing. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm glad I, I love doing it though. I love it. I love, uh, all facets of comedy. Um, so, and you meet so many people. Yeah. Yeah. Doing it. So when you moved here, you had left your, your community of, of fellow comics. You had been producing shows. How long did it take you before the itch to, all right, I've got the lay of the land of, of the scene such as it was at that time to book a show? Like to get booked on a show or to no, run no, no, my no, own sorry, show? No, 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 sorry, to run your own show. Uh, I knew I always wanted to. I knew that would happen eventually because it's honestly an exchange of currency. You're offering a contribution. Okay, there's a lot of comedians moving here. We need more stages. Mm -hmm. And just about any venue, depending on, you know, a couple of factors can can be a stage. Mm -hmm. You can make a comedy show there. 
uh, from a candy shop to a hair salon yeah. to a F45 gym, whatever. Yeah. As long as the owner's willing and there's some sort of way that you can mutually help each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I'm hoping I'm going to be partnering with this one gym soon that, that has opened a couple new locations. Well, they need people to come in and buy memberships, but let's offer some entertainment value at the same time and get some people in the door this way, as opposed to just trying to run ads on social media and cold call or whatever you're sure. doing to market. So how, how about do this new cool and fun way um, to get people to learn about your business? So uh, I think it's just fine, trying to find creative partnerships, great people to work with, which is not always easy. And it it really just kind of evolved organically, um, as I mentioned earlier, with Sammy at Waterlust, because yeah. I was already performing there in a different yeah. uh, way with the Alice and he'd seen what I like could do. Yeah. And we, we made like a little family there. And so, yeah, I just was like, let's just go. Let's just yeah. go and try it. And I, I, I wanted a new name for it because I wasn't really calling my shows in San Diego anything. It was just like comedy night at the, at the Legion, mm-hmm. you know? And I was like, we need to have some sort of a production company. We need to LLC this, cement this as a business. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I just like saying yuck it up. I just think it's fun to say. Yeah. Yuck it up. And jokes being yucks, you know? Right. It's like, what's a slang thing in the business? What's something that hasn't been taken on Instagram? Or, oh, you know, yeah. that's always hard. Your handle on Instagram, you really put it in and it's like, damn it. Like, I don't want to add five numbers after right. it. I want it to just be this. Like, I'm not a celebrity. Like, how do I go and get Instagram? Be like, yes, you can have it. Like what Elon did to that guy on Twitter with X. Mm. He just stole his... Oh, God. his handle that he'd have this guy who's like in the culinary world and he's a genius, I believe. And he's had X as his handle for 13 years. And Elon's like, no, mm, mm, mm. Oh, wow. I'm Elon. I'm coming out. I'm taking that because I'm calling the company X now. And your your platform that you've built for uh, a baker's dozen of years is gone. Like, sorry, buddy. I'm wow. swiping in and you can't do anything about it. So, yeah, just even finding a name that hasn't been been done. Uh-huh. Uh, is is tricky, but it's it's a challenge that works the brain, grind the gears, and yeah, you just you just keep going because there's a lot of painful moments yeah. when you don't have people show up at your shows, and you're like, why am I doing this? I could be at home watching Netflix uh-huh. right now, in the bathtub, <laughs> you know, eating snacks. <laughs> what you know, like snacks from Walmart, not Whole Foods, but like yeah, it's like you somehow find a way because I guess you just really have to love it. You have to, yeah. You just have to love it. And you really love it. And you know, and we love you that you love it. <laughs> well, and, and you know that for every one show that, you know, the audience just isn't there for you, there's going to be another audience that it's like gives you the greatest of highs. Mm, they're delicious. Yeah. And you're like, I mean, unfortunately, it, it does harken back to addiction language where you're always chasing that high. Definitely. Yeah. It's it in in relation to the highs I used to chase, I can reckon that like I can reconcile it that this is a healthier thing. And just for a little like queso factor, I I, I, I do say that stand up in a way like saved me. Hmm. It it did. Um I finally found something that was a purpose that I loved that I was so afraid to do and take the chance with because I knew it was going to upset a lot of people mm. who wanted to put me in this box. Like, this is what your life should be. Yeah. 
Um, and that's no, you know, fault to the boomers. That's right. just how they were raised and generations evolve mm-hmm. and, uh, they don't understand what the new, the next generation or future generations are, are doing, you know, like taking risks and doing things that aren't safe because yeah. it's not, I've lived a life without Groupon has been my health insurance. <laughs> oh God. Okay. Oh. I just got my dental work on Groupon. <sighs> I didn't even get it down in Mexico while I was there, but I hear it's great. Um, there's a lot of people I know in San Diego that were going down to Mexico f- during the pandemic to get plastic surgery because none of the offices were open. And there was long times like, oh, well, yeah, I can recover at home because we're in lockdown. No one's going to see me. Wow. And I'll come out whenever we get out of this, a whole new person, literally. Oh, my goodness. So um, I have health insurance again. There are ways uh, you learn like, okay, yeah, well, we're, we're sacrificing our health to do this. Mm-hmm. Then you really, yeah, you're like, I do really love this. Um, because I had the comforts of a salary job with benefits and a PPO and all this stuff, but I was freaking miserable, like putting stuff up my nose, drinking at alarming rates mm-hmm. and um, just like, yeah, self-sabotaging, just going down the road of destruction and then finally, like, I, I was partying my first year of stand-up, so I did get to experience, I had to experience doing it, evolving as a newbie in the in the business and a rookie and not knowing really what I was doing, um, trying to connect with the right people. But when yeah. you're partying, like I was, it was like, I'm not realizing it at the time until I get out of this and step away that I, I was probably attracting the wrong things, even though I had some great opportunities early on that I was kind of like, wow, is this, all this is happening in just my first year. I think this is like I made the right choice. And then I finally quit that stuff. And and then I was like, okay, I think that this probably wouldn't have happened if I kept doing what I was doing before. Hmm. I, I would never know, but I feel like I can confidently yeah. say that if I was still like staying up to the, you know, early hours of the morning. Um, there's a comic that I love here in Austin. His name's Sam Prickett. He calls it um, Bright Nights. <laughs> <laughs> so funny because it relates so hard to me those aren't mornings when you see people jogging at 5 a.m they're just called bright nights oh my god it kills me every time he's so funny he's one of my faves in town and uh yeah um I still struggle with sleep that's for sure Hmm. but it's like okay we'll just go create something then can I pick on something that you just that you said in in describing like how you went from that newbie year that you had to, and and maybe I've I misinterpreted what you were saying. That you had to, you know, do the hard partying, staying up late. Is that what is that specifically what you were talking about? That you had to do that part, or just the being immersed in the culture and just following where everybody was going. I was already uh, a professional partier at this point with a lot of years behind me. Yeah. Uh, so naturally I just ended up connecting with the comedians who also yeah. had that lifestyle. Uh, I'll never forget like the first night I did kill Tony at the comedy store in La Jolla. It was very, very early in my career. I didn't even really understand what the show was. Well, it was beca- very different in El- in California than it is. Now. It has changed a yeah. lot. Yeah. Jeremiah Walker, yep. William Montgomery was around. Yep. I remember meeting William. Ali Makovsky was one of the regulars at the time. Mm-hmm. But I was out showing properties all day in the La Jolla area. And I was driving by the comedy store after I was done. I was like, God, I'm so miserable. I hate that. These people from Minnesota came here. They have a shit budget. They think they can live by the ocean. <laughs> 
that they don't like the train tracks. I'm like, well, the ocean and the train tracks aren't fucking moving, dude. And with that shitty budget, you should just go back to the Midwest, okay? Uh, You've got a bad attitude. And so I'd shown like seven properties that day. And then I drove past a comedy store. I saw a line out the door, but it wasn't uh, people that were coming to see the show. It was comics. And then I saw it said, kill Tony on the the marquee there. Mm. And I said, oh, yeah, I always keep hearing about this show. Mm. What's and so I pulled over and I parked and I was like, I'll throw my name in this bucket. I don't know what it means. And I ended up getting picked. And I was, I didn't really know what I was supposed to do. No one really told me. (laughs) You don't have a lot of time. No, no. So I definitely was not polished in my minute. Uh Um, don't anybody go looking for that episode, okay? (laughs) Oh, we're all gonna go, yeah, for sure. Um, and it was the thing that, and it happened again when I did it here where very few females were putting their name in the bucket. So it was like, dude, dude, dude. And Tony will finally say, should we get a chick up here? You know, should we get a lady up here at some point? Um, so he'll pick until he gets a chick Mm -hmm. and he'll keep going. And then, and then it's like, okay, I'm thinking I'm probably one of three that put their names. (laughs) I have good chances. Yeah. And, uh, that first time that I did it, there was another guy named Tim he wasn't even a comic. He was just an asshole is what he uh. was. He, the bucket wasn't monitored by anyone like it is, you know, like, uh, you know, huh. something at the Smithsonian like it is today, guarded. It was just a pitcher, like a beer pitcher in the back of the comedy store on a table. And there was little pieces of paper put out for you to just throw your name in. Yeah. Well, this guy, Tim, threw his name in like 10 times and no one saw it. Well, naturally, he got picked. And I think he went on right before me. And he ended up getting found out mm. that he'd done that. And he got booed out of the place. And then I, got, I was like, oh, my God, am I going to get booed when I'm out there? Is that what's going to happen? But he pretended that he could play drums. Oh. Yeah, so he took over for whoever was the drummer at the time, which I've seen some people on Kill Tony here in Austin yeah. do. Like, yeah, I can. And they actually do. Right. pull it off but this guy just went off and he was drunk and he did something like a buffoon and then they found out that he'd put his name in multiple times because tony picked his name again and Ooh. yeah he was like get that guy out of here and then he just got i said what is this what is this public flogging what am i yeah. what have i gotten myself into and yeah it's it's so popular it's like people are hooked yeah it's remarkable what he's built and, um, and seeing that it's here and so many reasons why comedians keep flooding into town mm-hmm. is they want that Kill Tony glow up. So, and, and, and it's been seen, you know, yeah. it's happened and it's really awesome. Like if that's the route that you go and that works for you, mm-hmm. what it can do is even if you're like a, a brand new comic, you know, yeah. who has a year of experience or less. Uh, so there's just no real path everyone's is different. Yeah. Um, and it's like just constantly training my mind to stay in my own lane and like, this is yours. That one's theirs, you know, don't compare. Don't compare. Yeah. Yeah. That's a tough one. That's just like, and and that's hard when it's in your face. Mm -hmm. I have to train myself with social media. That's why I have somebody to take it off my plate because it's not healthy place for me. I used to work at a social media company here in Austin. (laughs) I didn't tell him I didn't like social media in my interview. <laughs> Probably not a good movie. No, yeah. no. But that's where the juicy was born. You brought uh, that up earlier. Uh-huh. And and it's it's maybe going to come back. I don't know. That yeah. company is not around anymore, unfortunately. Mm. Um, but while I was there, I had a, access to a beautiful podcasting studio and, and a producer and an editor that did it oh, all. Yes. And um, yeah, they helped me come up with a name. It's a little on the nose. Uh-huh. No pun intended. 
but uh, yeah, I also had another one called Wake and Cake during the pandemic instead of bake because it was around the time that I originally got sober. And uh, there's lots of those episodes still floating around on mm. Spotify with, with lots of different comedians. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it's fun to go listen to them and be like, this is so funny what you're doing in 2020. Just uh-huh. trying to do something. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, but we survived. We got through. Now I'm sitting here with you. Yeah, yeah. And I love Austin and the community. is It's every day. You just meet new people. Every time you're out for a show or whatever. It's yeah. Like, well, I just got here fresh off the boat like two yeah. days ago from Alabama. I'm like, holy crap. What do you do for work during the day to afford it? Because my rent has doubled, you know? Ooh, wow. Yeah. No, not too much. I, I have a good good deal. But it's pretty much what I was paying in San Diego wow. when I left. Crazy. Yeah, and I don't see any ocean around, Valerie. No, no. So it's, yeah, so, this, is, this is like the new California in a way. It is. I thought that heat would smoke them out this summer and they'd go back. Yeah. You know? <laughs> no. No such chance. No, no such no luck. No. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it's just exciting times. And I, I love change. And I love, you know, I try not to future trip. Like what's going to happen next? Yeah. Just, just stay in the day. Because then if I don't, I get anxious. And then if I think about the past, I can get depressed. So it's like, just think about today. Yeah. What is happening today? We are going to Valerie's house. We're going to talk about comedy. And that's fun. Yep. Yeah. And that's it. And then whatever happens after, you'll just figure it out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Well, let's play this card game, Lauren. Okay. All right. So from the author Esther Perel, uh, she created a game called Where Should We Begin? Esther Perel is like this world-renowned psychologist. Or that's probably wrong, but... Does it say? No. Uh, what whatever. kind of psychology? Uh, she has a podcast where she'll sit down with couples and help them work through whatever issue they happen to have. So it's, she's very gifted at asking open-ended questions, which is what this game is about, is asking, you play this game and you, you ask each other open-ended questions and it's okay. supposed to like drive relationship, you know, conversation, whatever. And so the way that I play this game is you're going to point to the card that you want read to you. Okay. So you've got two cards. Pick one. Okay. Uh, I'll do this one. I'll do that one. So I'm going to read that to you after you read that one to me. <gasps> Sweet. So I get a little practice as well. Okay. So All you right. haven't looked at these. I have, no, no, no. You saw okay. me draw, draw okay. it out of the, the deck. All right. All right. So let's meet go. You. Okay. Let's meet you first. Let's do it. Yeah. Oh, I like the paper. Is it like recycled? <laughs> uh the best gift I have ever received. Ooh, the best gift I've ever received. Well, you know, uh, hmm. It's so, it's so cliche, but I swear, and he, he doesn't listen to my podcast, but my child is the best gift Aww. because now as I see him, you know, and I'm going to start crying. Uh, as I have seen him grow into this little mini adult, he's 17 now and he's, you know, juggling so many responsibilities and he's applying to colleges and I'm hoping he gets into the best possible college that he deserves. And it's like, I helped make that. (laughs) And that is the best gift to know that sacrifices, money to attend schools, activities, all of that 
is nice because you can throw money at children and end up with a really hideous beast of a child. <laughs> but there's something about the way I parented that made him turn into like a pretty cool little human adult. Oh, that's glorious. So, that's yeah. truly special. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That yeah. that's so. I what's his name? Travis. Travis. Lake Lake Travis. Yeah. <laughs> well, we know he's an Austinite. Well, he was born in Chicago oh, okay. where that name was not common at all. And then you come here. And then we moved here and it's like, "Oh, well." Wait, <laughs> you have a you... lake, a county, right. a school. <laughs> Is the jail called Travis County Jail? Probably. Yeah. Let's yeah. hope he, he's never ending up there. Not, not with you as a no. mom. Well, and he knows that if he does, I, I'm not bailing him out. Yeah. You, you make I him learn. I have been there before. <laughs> Ooh. In Dallas. Ooh. Lou Sterrett. Yeah. Memories. Yikes. Uh, that, yeah. That, that was, everybody was getting one of those in college. <sighs> with a degree, you hope, but also with the DUI was the minor. DWI in my case, but that's so awesome. I love that you said that. I, I yeah. don't know if I'll ever be a mom one day, yeah. but, but that was inspiring. Maybe. Well, you know. Yeah. I wasn't expecting it, but, you know, happened to meet the right person at the right time, got married, the whole thing, got divorced, and then... That's so great. Well, I, I look forward to finding out what school, because I know he's going to have a lot of options, which one he decides yeah. to pick. Yeah. Not them picking, like he right. chooses because you're interviewing yeah. them too. You know, you got to yes. pick the right one for you. Yep. That's so cool. Yeah. Oh, I love that response. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. Yes. Oh. Oh, no. This is one that I would have had fun with. Uh, <laughs> all right. Lauren, your question is, when a friend is consistently late, dot, dot, dot. When a friend is consistently late, they're pregnant. Oh. <laughs> yes. They must be knocked that up. That's true. Um I will at this point in my life say something about it. Mm. Definitely. Uh p- previous party Lauren who didn't care, who probably thought oh, I've probably done some shitty things to this person. I I have no room to say, but uh-huh. I truly hold in high regard punctuality. Yeah. Trying to get their This was something I learned in early days of corporate America. Someone had said to me, because I was late all the time, because I was just hungover, and I had to drive far from like uptown Dallas all the way to Plano for my first job out of college. And I was always running late. And then it's just, oh, the anxiety that comes from it, that you just feel it. Like, this is bad. This is wrong. I got to change this. And someone said, when you're uh, early, you're on time. When you're on time, you're already late. And when you're late, you're fired. And I was like... (laughs) I think I'm the third oh, one. Oh, I like that one. Yeah. So I just, it's just like a nerve calming thing when you can get somewhere early and if like you're meeting at a coffee shop where you can make sure you have enough time for parking because that's an issue. Yeah. Like just building an extra time, especially like when I lived in a city like Los Angeles or Dallas or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just prepare. It's just respect. It's, it's courtesy. Yeah. Uh, I beat myself up if I'm ever late. Mm. I hate it. I get so down on myself. I'm like, oh my God, that's just so disrespectful to the other person and their time. So yeah, if I have a friend, I don't actually, I've like stopped hanging out with people before because of it. Wow. From being flaky uh-huh. uh, when things have been plans in motion for a while because everyone's time is valuable and precious. Yep. No one's is more important than the other. Um, and and yeah, I've like, I'm not going to call that person much anymore. I'm not going to create plans with them because this is like shame on you this has happened so many times i think is like something you can count on so uh definitely yes at this stage in my life i i will say something like 
it really bothers me that you're never on time. And I know you think it's funny and it's laughable. Like, oh, that's typical me. It's like, no, you need to get your shit together. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to tell you and do that trick that I'd probably say, okay, the movie's at, because I just go to movies by myself, or the show starts at um, seven when it's really at eight, Mm. and then they end up getting on time. We comics love that. I know every comics experience this when they invite friends, especially non-comics, to their shows, and they say, well, uh, the show starts at eight. Well, what time do you go on? I'm like, the show starts at eight. <laughs> I would come at 745 to get a drink and get seated, uh-huh. you know, use the facilities, know the lay of the land. And then like a movie where you wouldn't show up in the middle of a film, uh-huh. I'll be going up somewhere between eight and 930. <laughs> so nice. 90 minutes of your time, maybe two hours yeah. is when I'll be going up yeah. somewhere in that realm. Got love it? it? Love it. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. yeah. It's not that hard. <laughs> show up when the show starts. <laughs> Just yeah. like when a movie does. Catch the whole thing. That's Imagine so that. Yeah. yeah. So um, thank you for that question. Yeah. <laughs> that was good. This is fun. There's yeah. another game like this that we used, I forgot, created by two two women. Mm. Um, I'm, I'll send you the name later. But okay. we used it at a, at the social media company I was working oh. with. Uh, I was using it with uh, Voices of Ibble was what it was called, and I would get people from all over in different professions, and I would pull a couple cards from that game and do this too. So yeah. I love that you oh, did that. Fun. <laughs> so great. Fun. Yeah, thanks to uh, the behind-the-scenes, the web guru, Richard, for giving me that as a gift a few years back. And, oh, I love how you integrated yeah. it into yeah. this. Yeah. Super cool. Well, we're going to start winding down, uh, and I have one question that I like that I've been asking, and... Uh, what I want you to tell me is the whatever your filing writing system is, the name of your favorite joke. I don't want to know the, the joke. I want to just know in your filing system, what do you call your current favorite joke? Water birth. Okay. What is it about water birth that you love so much right now? Well, it's been an, a joke for probably two years and it's I've continued to build on it, like Mm. new tags. Um, When I say the punchline, it just feels powerful. Mm. I love it. Uh, I'm a Pisces. I wrote this joke at the pool. It came up then. Um, Motherhood is always something on my mind, so I'm glad you talked about it because it's inspiring to me. I don't know if it's in the cards for me. Um, I can't sweat it too much because I'm not really putting too much energy and attention on that. But then that's when they say, like, when you're chasing it too hard, it runs from you. You know, like, when you're not looking, maybe you'll come. And I've got a lot of things that I want to do in my career before that happens. But if it happens, so be it. Bless it be. So water birth sort of evolved from a painful place Mm. about wondering, because all my friends have, like, is that ever going to happen for me? Can I even do it? Are the pipes still working? Um, So it is in my dark arts, like a joke that I wrote that helps me process pain, but that I hope, you know, comedy is tragedy that people can have a sick enough sense of humor to understand that. Yeah. That this is a way that I'm writing this because it's me processing my feelings of something painful that I hope is funny. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's like a Swiss army knife for you. Like it, it hits a lot of buttons for you 
and it's you've been working on it a long time. Yes, so, yeah. I love to see that a joke evolve, and then like, oh my god, that's a great new tagline. Let's try that. Because uh-huh. sometimes you get so sick of telling your jokes. You're like, mm. it's like listening to Glenn Fry from the Eagles. He was interviewed <laughs> once. He was like, if I ever have to play Hotel California again, I'm gonna freaking roll over in my grave and die. But it's like, but the crowd loves it. The play crowd, the hits. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, and it's like oh. kind of be the same for jokes. Because some people are like do that one joke about Taco Bell. Um, you know, there's a comic, Eric Myers, who's no longer with us. And he, he had this faint, yeah, people have like famous bits, like yeah. the ones I love about Louie, uh, or any comic that I revere and admire. It's like, oh, I could hear that over and over and over again. And I still laugh. Yeah. So that's my goal is I just want to have jokes that are just so good that are timeless. Um, and that's things that, you know, the special taping on Monday is, has yeah. asked, uh, there, there's not too many require, uh, things we're not supposed to do. Yeah. There was one, like, don't do anything about minors because they're not allowed on the platform. Oh, interesting. I was like, I can work with that. Darn it. But that one joke that I just wrote about Ethan Hawke directing his daughter <laughs> in sex scenes, but she's of age, so maybe oh. it's like, come on, Holly Weird. There wasn't, like, Martin Scorsese couldn't do it. Coppola couldn't do it. You had to have dad direct daughter. Yeah. What is Uma Thurman thinking about this? Is she on set, like, honey, you know, take it easy. Maybe you should leave the room for this scene. No, he's like, daddy's got it. So yeah, I, that's, that's probably it. That's the one that came top of mind. Okay. All right. Good question. (laughs) Thanks. Uh, Is there anything we haven't talked about that you want people to know about you? I don't think so. I feel like we covered a lot of ground. We cover a lot of ground. I mean, I could talk to you forever. Yeah. Uh, thank you for all these chocolates here. <laughs> You're welcome. You're like, would you like a mug of chocolate? I'm like, hot chocolate? No, just actual like Hershey's. And these are the good ones, uh-huh. the nuggets. Yeah, oh, yeah, God, dang yeah. it. Yeah, Valerie, these are not good to eat before a taping on Monday, but I probably put uh, a, take them with me anyway okay. to, to just eat them. Not the you know. whole mug. Just, yeah, you know. just just a couple, yeah. just a couple. Don't, I, I should put on their uh, property of Comedy Land because, and I'm ne- never going to let her hear it, hear the end of it uh leah sampson when she came on uh she literally picked up the mug and started walking out of the house she did <laughs> she's like it's it's uh, bring a gift for the teacher day leave the apple take the mug yeah, yeah. i mean you can never have enough she's like this yeah best comedian that's ever me. this is that's for me. leah sampson yeah. clearly well, she's on the taping monday too and i haven't gotten to spend a lot of time with her so i'm very excited for the lineup it's like a mix of comics yeah. and well and other ones that mm-hmm. i don't know as well so yeah it's it such should a good mix. be yeah. a fun and i didn't know what the lineup was when they booked me uh-huh and then the, they sent me the the promo, and I'm like, oh, God, this is going to be great. Can yeah. you come? I don't know if I can. I'm Bring gonna, your son. I'm, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. Is 17 a minor in the state of Texas? Oh. Is it an adult now? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe we'll ask Chris oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and on that note, folks, on that note, come check me out me. on OnlyFans. <laughs> Tell my mom. It'll be a perfect Hanukkah present for her. Hanukkah came early this year. Eight crazy nights on OnlyFans. Yeah, come come to the, the taping on Monday. Oh, this There's... is going to be coming out after. Oh, okay. Well, the promo Watch code's free laughs. Yeah, there you go. Not free ass. Free laughs, okay? And yeah, find me. Uh, we love the follows uh, at the Lauren Jameson. And laurenjamesoncomedy.com is my website. All right. Well, you're, you're smart. You're going to get a, a, another shot to promote your stuff in just a second. But I'm going to ask you my closing question. Oh. One word to describe your future. Expansion. Ooh, 
Ooh, but another word I love <laughs> recently, opulence, because that's just oh, fun to say. It is fun. Uh, so I'd say a blend of those, but okay. ex- I did say expansion first. I just want to keep. Expansulence? Expansulence. Expansion opulence? Sounds like spatula or something just in there. one word. Yeah. No. Opulantion? No, expansulence. <laughs> yes. Marrying of the minds. Yeah. I love it. Good stuff. All right. Well, that is a wrap on Comedy Wham Presents. Lauren Jameson. Lauren, tell us where we can find you on social media. And Once promote. again. <laughs> you know, you don't really hear it until the third time. I know. So <laughs> it, it, if it doesn't land, hopefully uh-huh. it will this time. So at the Lauren Jameson, because just Lauren Jameson was taking. I don't love myself that much, uh, but I am the one and only. And then uh, laurenjamesoncomedy.com. We'll see if the podcast comes back. But there are uh, tons of good episodes uh, that are juicy called Wake and Cake. On Spotify, I would highly recommend listening to some. I've got Ian Bag on there, Andrew Norelli, Dylan Sullivan, like yeah. old school chronicles from like 2020 on there. Uh, <laughs> it's the, funny to call 2020 old school. Yeah, yeah. Did when you we hear were just, when this podcast started? Yeah. But like when it was just like, <laughs> how do we talk out. to people yeah. and connect? Hey, <laughs> let's get on Zoom and shoot the shit for 45 minutes and see what happens and see if we feel like we've been around a, another human being yeah. and touch each other through through a computer screen and cry. Um, but thank you so much Valerie we love you in this community you're a pillar we we couldn't we couldn't do it without you we just love that you love comedy so much Uh, thank you for having me (laughs) sure okay we hope you've enjoyed learning how I'm a creature of habit I read the same things every every single time Uh, we hope you've enjoyed learning about how Lauren got to be the comedic genius that you heard today just as much as I have this has been Comedy Wham presents Lauren Jameson I'm Valerie and that's been funny thank you Lauren (laughs) Yahtzee